everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Denise Johnson, Norwegian independent consultant. She's a lifelong learner who discovered that cleaning with Norwex is easier and quicker than she ever thought cleaning could be. Norwex microfiber removes 99% of bacteria from the surface when used properly according to manufacturer's instructions. Norwex microfiber enables you to eliminate not only harmful chemical-laden cleansers, but all those single-use disposables like paper towels, floor pads, and wipes. That's great for the earth, and it can save you about $600 a year. I'm a Norwex user, and I love it. Connect with Denise at denisejohnson.norwex.biz. denisejohnson.norwex.biz. Well, today my special guest is Abby Johnson. She is the founder and director of And Then There Were None. Abby Johnson worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years, working her way up through the ranks to become the clinic director in Bryan, Texas. She was Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year in 2008, but she walked away from her job after witnessing the abortion of a 13-week-old fetus during an ultrasound-guided abortion. She left Planned Parenthood and instantly became a national news headline for her defection, which led to a pro-life speaking career. In 2012, she founded And Then There Were None, the only ministry in the nation that helps abortion workers leave their jobs and find new ones out of the industry. To date, Abby has helped over 550 abortion workers quit. She also founded Pro-Love Ministries and Loveline in the fall of 2019. Her best-selling book, Unplanned, was made into a feature film that debuted in theaters nationwide March of 2019 under the same name, and she is the host of the podcast, Politely Rude. She and her husband, Doug, have eight children. Welcome, Abby. It is such an honor to have you on the Make Life Matter podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, I am very familiar with you, with your ministry, with your story, but for anyone who is not, I would love to just invite you to to just share more of your story that I kind of framed there for you and let us know kind of how God is using you and the ministry and then there were none. Sure. Well, um, as you said, I I worked for Planned Parenthood for eight years of my life. I was a, a clinic director there. Um, left in 2009 after witnessing a, a live ultrasound guided abortion procedure where I witnessed a 13 week old baby fight and struggle for his life against the abortion instruments. I knew then that there was life in the womb, there was humanity there in the womb, and, and that I was on the wrong side of, of the abortion debate. Um, you know, there had been other things take place, um, that year that had caused me to really question what was going on at, at Planned Parenthood. Um, one of those things was, I was, I was told that we were going to be doubling our abortion quota. So the amount of abortions that we had to sell to women coming into our facilities, which really, 
uh, went against what uh, I had been told we were about at Planned Parenthood, which was to keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. Um, we were building the largest abortion facility in the Western Hemisphere, and we were going to be aborting babies um, through six months of of pregnancy. So um, we were going to be aborting babies that were viable, that could could live uh, on their own outside of their their mother's womb. So there were, there were quite a few things that just caused me to really question what was going on. But um, you know, ultimately seeing that that child. Um, you know, fight for, for his life. When I had been told by Planned Parenthood that, uh, babies in the womb, you know, had no uh, sensory development or, you know, could not feel anything outside of the womb. And, and then seeing, you know, clearly this, this baby could feel what was happening to, to him. Um, I knew that I had been lied to. I knew that, you know, because I had so eagerly believed the lies of the abortion industry, I had then in turn lied to thousands of other women who had come into, into my facility. And so I knew I had to leave. And and since then uh, it's been about 11 and a half years since I've left Planned Parenthood. And I've just really made it my goal to, uh, you know, speak out against the abortion industry to to really try to expose what's taking place inside of these these abortion facilities, but but also um, trying to bring about healing to those who have been hurt by abortion, um, who've been touched by abortion in some way. And part of part of that ministry is is getting abortion clinic workers out of the abortion industry, and so. Um, since 2012, uh, through, and then there were none, the ministry I founded, we've been, uh, pulling abortion clinic workers out of the industry and, uh, you know, our ultimate goal is to get them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, uh, we've been doing that and, We've helped 600 abortion clinic workers uh, do just that. And we've helped seven full-time abortion doctors um, do that. And uh, so it's really, it's really been just miraculous to, um, to see God show up in that way. Mm, It's so powerful. I was watching your movie and there's a moment where you, uh, you've experienced these uh, coalition for life and some other organizations that were there praying on the fence. And I found that moment that you, after you stepped down and you defected, you chose to come back and, uh, and, and pray at that fence and go to the fence. And what, what prompted that decision? And what was that moment like for you? You know, it was, uh, (laughs) sort of weird. I mean, I, I had never, after I left the clinic, I, I never thought I would be one of those people. Right. Mm. Um, but I was actually sort of, sort of funny. I I was, uh, at my house one day and, um, the real story, you know, sort of the, the movie version is a little different than what really happened, but, um, the real story is, is that, uh, I, the first time I ever went out to the fence was actually at night. Mm-hmm. 
it was during a 40 days for life campaign and uh in in college station uh where i worked is actually where 40 days for life started and and so uh it's 24 hour prayer campaign so there's people there 24 hours a day praying Hmm. and I had been out of the, the clinic about two weeks and it was about 10 o'clock at night and I was taking a shower and I was in the shower and just, you know, sort of, I don't know, praying, just sort of having conversation with God. And, and I, I remember, you know, sort of saying to God, you know, gosh, I wonder if I'll, you know, ever, feel like I should go and pray outside of my clinic. Hmm. And right then I felt the Lord say, go, go now. <laughs> I thought, what? It's like, it's 10 o'clock at night, you know? Wow. <laughs> and, um, so I thought, okay, well, this is weird timing, but okay. So I get out of the shower and, um, you know, I, I dry myself off and, you know, I throw my hair up in a bun or something, you know, and I, and I go downstairs and I said, I, I told my husband, I said, Doug, I said, I, you're going to think this is crazy, hmm. but I feel like God is telling me to go back out to the clinic to pray. And he said, I don't think that's crazy at all. I think you should yes. go. And, you know, he said, do you want me to go with you? And cause it was nighttime. It was like 1030 at this time. And I said, no, I said, I think I want to go alone. And mm-hmm. I knew there would be somebody there, you know, cause there was always people there. So I, I went out to the clinic and, um, and I drove up and I was, I was so nervous mm-hmm. And I drove up and there were two, there was a couple there, a young college, college age couple. And they were standing there praying and I I walked up and I thought, oh my gosh, nobody knew that I had left the clinic. It was not public yet. And nobody knew I'd left the clinic except for, you know, the few people at the coalition for life. Okay. Um, And so I thought, oh my gosh, if I walk up and this couple sees you know, Abby Johnson walking up, they're going to think I'm here to harass them or, mm-hmm. you know, cause yeah. everybody knew me as the clinic director. Sure. And so I thought I'm going to have to tell them that I've mm-hmm. left. And so I, I walked up to them and, and they looked a little nervous as I was walking up to them. And I, I said, uh, Hey, I said, you know, you, you might recognize me. I said, I, I used to run this clinic and I said, but I've, I've been working with Sean and, and the people at the coalition for life. And I said, I, I actually resigned two weeks ago. Mm. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life now. And they just, I mean, they just started just, I mean, laughing and, and just hugging me and they were just wow. so happy. And I mean, oh my gosh, the, the girl was like jumping up and down and just, you know, all of this and, um, you know, all this Thanksgiving. And, and I said, well, I said, this is my first time out to the clinic and I, to pray. And I said, God really prompted me to come out here. And so I'm just going to walk over here and just sort of pray by myself. And they were like, oh my gosh, do you want us to pray with you? And I said, no, I just, I feel like I just want to do this by myself. So I, I sort of walked over alone and it was a very busy road 
that this clinic was in front of. And I, I walked over by myself and, and I, you know, it was really the first time I had, I had faced that clinic Hmm. and it was dark, you know, and I, I just, I looked at it and I just became so overwhelmed with Hmm. just the reality of what I had been a part of and what I had walked away from. And I just remember just sort of falling to my, to my knees. I just, I, I didn't feel like I could even stand anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just began to, to cry. I mean, I was just so overwhelmed. And, and I, I remember, you know, in a moment, just sort of looking up and, and they, you know, this couple, they were just still celebrating, you know, right. And I was still just so overwhelmed by my grief. And it was just sort of this, you know, juxtaposition um, of, of what was taking place really in my life um, mm. during that time. And, you know, so many people excited about the choice that I had made to leave, but I was still so just overcome mm. Um by, by what I was, you know, just what I was working through internally. Mm. Um, and then it was, you know, um, a couple days later, actually, then when you sort of see that scene in the movie, when I, I go to the coalition for life office and I, that was the first time I had gone out when it was open Mm. and that was difficult as well, you know, being there publicly, um, sort of face to face with these people that I had worked with um, for all of these years and, and then publicly facing them hmm. and saying, you know, I'm, I'm pro-life um, hmm. and, you know, and sort of staring this down, you know, um, hmm. and showing myself to them uh, that I was against what, what they were doing. Um, that was something, you know, very different. That was sort of a new hurdle, um, to jump across. And, and so then, you know, you sort of see that scene in the movie. And then I was able to talk to a a young woman who was going in and get her to go to a pregnancy center, um, which was a, you know, a beautiful moment. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just, it it was, it was, there were just a lot of hurdles to cross. Mm. Um, you know, once I, once I left the industry for sure. Now, when we're watching this movie and we've observed your life, it really, on the outside, it seems like this Damascus Road moment, like Saul had, and then he's transformed. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking as you're saying that about, you know, now that he's Paul, he's trying to go back and tell people and they don't, they, they don't really believe it. And, you know, he finds Ananias who, who who prays for him and, and, and then people start to really believe, wait, this transformation is real. But for you, this was not where you were going to, I know you had friends and family around you celebrating, but you, you face now the behemoth that was Planned Parenthood. You actually even had a legal battle that is explained. Did you understand the magnitude of what was going to happen when you left and faced off? Was it this kind of just, transformation moment like it was for Saul or I know you said it kind of was starting to happen that whole year or was it that profound of a transformation I would love to just kind of know your mindset and did you see the magnitude as it was happening no I mean it definitely was sort of this 
very dramatic transformation. I mean, there were things that were taking place throughout that year, but I mean, the, the, you know, sort of this moment, you know, definitely took place and that there was really definitely a, a conversion that took place in that mm. moment. Um, it was, uh, it was definitely, a you know, a, a I don't think I really understood what was going on. I mean, and that was sort of a, that was God's grace for sure. Um, that I didn't really see ahead. Mm, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think that would have been even more overwhelming. Um, I didn't really understand. I mean, I was like, so what, you know, somebody mm. left their job. I mean, big deal. People leave their jobs all the time. I mean, that that's sort of what I, you know, I mean, I, I was just like, what is the big deal? You know, right. um, yeah. I, I didn't really understand it. I didn't really get it. I was so shocked when Planned Parenthood sued me. I could mm. not believe it. I could not believe that these people who had been my friends for eight years were now testifying against me in court. I was so shocked. I felt so betrayed, but that was how naive I was. Mm. Um, But I think again, it was all just God's protection. You know, um, I didn't see, I mean, when, when, when this blew up in the Associated Press and I started getting calls from Bill O'Reilly and Mike Huckabee and, you know, sure. all these people were calling me and all these reporters, I could not believe it. Um, I did not understand what was really going on. And, um, and I, I just saw myself as just this. And I remember saying to Sean Carney, I had gotten a job offer from a, from a pro-life physician who actually didn't have a job, but he made a job for me. Um, he, he was just such a, a, a wonderful man. And, uh, he said, you know, I, I don't have a job, but I'll make a job for her. Um, just wow. because I, I needed a job. And when all of this blew up and people were asking me to speak, and I remember looking at Sean Carney and saying, I don't, I can't do all of this speaking because I, I have a job with Dr. Benson. Mm. And I remember he looked at me and he said, Abby, being a pro-life speaker, this is your new job. Yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't really recognize my new role, you know? Um, Hmm. And I, I didn't really recognize what I was taking on at, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so it, it was a bit overwhelming, I think, you know, but, but God prepared me, you know, every mm-hmm. step of the way he, he continued, you know, and I had missteps along the way and, um, but, but God continued just to, you know, to, to make a way for me. Um, at, you know, at every turn. Mm, he's so faithful. And I mean, it's really such a calling that's on your life now. And and it's just so evident to those of us that are pro-life advocates. And, and I just wanted to ask you a little bit about Loveline and pro-love, because I feel like one of the, um, and, there, and I know there's a lot we could discuss about abortion and why women choose to have abortion, but as a pastor's wife, as a a woman who wants to see women become all that God has created them to be. 
what can we do, Abby, to help for women who either have had an abortion, need to heal from it, or they're contemplating abortion? Because maybe we can't physically go to the fence the way that you did, mm-hmm. but we can go to the fences in prayer. And, and I know we can be doing so much more because, you know, we can't just stand back as a church, big C and say, okay, you know, be abstinent, do all the right things. And then if you have a baby, don't have an abortion and we don't come alongside of, of single women or women who find themselves with an unplanned pregnancy, what can we do better? And what can we do in a more meaningful way to help women who've had an abortion or are contemplating? And maybe that would help us understand more about pro-love and love line and how we can be a part of it. So first of all, I think, you know, we need to be having these conversations, right? So I think we're so shy to have conversations about life, about abortion. We don't even want to say the A word, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't want to talk about it with our friends, with our family, with our children, with inside of our church, you know, mm. um, we've got to start having these conversations. We have to start talking about abortion. Um, we have to uh, start acknowledging that uh, other people are talking about abortion with our children, in our communities, in our churches. And so, you know, as Christians, we need to be talking about it from a Christian worldview. Yeah, that's good. Um, And because people are talking about it from a secular worldview Mm. inside of our churches, with our children, in our communities, with our families. And so I don't want my children to hear a secular worldview about abortion. I want them to hear a biblical worldview um, about abortion. And so I'm going to be the one having these conversations with my children. Mm. Um, you know, I'm going to be the one who's on Facebook talking about abortion from a biblical worldview, um, so that my friends, my family sees, you know, not Abby Johnson's opinion about abortion, but Jesus Christ's opinion about abortion. You know, I'm going to be the one that's spreading, you know, God's truth about these things everywhere that I go. We have to stop worrying about offending our neighbor and start worrying about offending the heart of God. And, and, you know, that's, that's really what this boils down to is that we have become a, um, a society that is so worried about offense that we have stopped spreading God's truth. Mm. That's powerful. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we don't talk about the hard, we don't have the hard conversations. Yeah. And, and so now we're in a society that's in moral decay Hmm. um, because we aren't willing to have the hard conversations. We aren't willing to speak God's truth. And, and so, you know, yes, we need to start having the conversations. We need to start talking about these things. Um, whether or not we make people uncomfortable, we should be making people uncomfortable uh, when we're talking about these things. Um, but you know, also there are ways that we can get involved, you know, yes, we can go and pray out in front of abortion facilities. It's super easy to do. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to know how to talk to women when you go out there. You don't have to be trained on anything. You just have to go and stand and pray. In fact, 
in an hour and a half, I am going and standing and praying out in front of my abortion facility that my local abortion facility, that's my one hour. That's my stand and pray hour for 40 days for life. I'm doing Mm. it every single Tuesday from three to four for the next 40 days. I'm just going and I'm standing and I'm praying. That's it. That's so easy to do. Is it weird? Does it feel weird when I go out there? Yeah, it feels weird. Does it feel Mm. uncomfortable? Yep, it feels uncomfortable, right? People drive by and they go, what is that woman doing standing outside of this clinic? They wonder, right? They they may stop and even ask me. Um, Mm. That's okay. That's an opportunity for me to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, But what it shows is that what is taking place inside of this facility is morally objectionable Hmm. and it's happening in our communities. And I'll tell you something else. The last Planned Parenthood conference that I went to was in 2009 and I went into a session and they told us that they had done a study about no-show rates for abortion appointments. And they had looked into, uh, so these are women that had abortion appointments, but they just didn't show up for them. And they found that when there are people standing outside and praying, just standing outside and praying, the no-show rate for abortions goes up as high as 75%. Wow. Just when you're out there standing there, just standing there and praying. Anybody can grab a Bible and go and stand and pray for 30 minutes to an hour. That's so easy to do. And just your presence can save a life. So that's one thing we can do. There are also over 2,500 pregnancy centers across this country. They need your help. They're primarily run off of volunteers. And you may say, I have no idea how a pregnancy center could use me. Well, they can use you in some Mm. way. They're run by volunteers primarily. They can use your help. They can use your time, your talents, your gifts. So go take a tour, find out what they're doing for the community. Know where your pregnancy center is. You have no idea. You may run into a young woman at a grocery store and you may hear her talking to her friend on the phone or talking to her friend in the frozen food section about being pregnant and not knowing where to go to get help. Or maybe you hear a woman, I heard a woman one time talking about how she was about to run out of diapers. And I said, Hey, I know where you can go get diapers as a pregnancy center. Here's the address. Go and get them. You never know, know where your local pregnancy center is, know where you can refer women to go get free pregnancy tests, free ultrasounds, free resources for their babies. Um, And, you know, the pro-life movement, as far as legislation goes, we are always strongest at the state level. Just today, Arkansas passed a heartbeat bill that has no exceptions. South Carolina just passed a heartbeat bill. Tennessee is working on pro-life legislation. Texas is working on strong pro-life legislation. We are always strongest at the state level when it comes to pro-life legislation. So find out your local pro-life, your state pro-life Uh, legislative group, get involved with them, find out what's going on in your state and how you can get involved. Mm, Thank you so much, Abby. And I want to be sensitive to your time. And I'm so grateful that you have lent your voice, not just to the Make Life Matter podcast, but just your voice to this generation. And you are a voice to those who don't have a voice. And you're also a voice to the women who want to be rescued out of the abortion industry and a voice to women who are hurting and are either contemplating an abortion or have had one. And so 
I thank you. I thank you for using your voice uh, to make such a, an impact and a difference. How can people find you? Uh, your movie, your book is unplanned. I know you have a very active Facebook page. You post on all the time. Can you let us know how they can connect with you, your website? And then I would love to just have you pray over our listeners before we close. Sure. Um, people can find me at Abby, A-B-B-Y-J.com, abbyj.com. They can get my books. They can uh, listen to my podcast there, Politely Rude. Um, they can uh, find the movie. You can also stream the movie on Vudu, on Amazon. Um, yeah, lots of information. I have lots of resources on my website. Um, you can find out about my ministries at abortionworker.com and also prolovedministries.com. And I would love to close us out in prayer. Thank you, Abby. All right, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for everyone who is listening to the show. Um, Lord, we just, we, we thank you for life. Lord, we know that you love life. Uh, we thank you for, um, Lord, all of the uh, all of the women who uh, today may be in the valley of decision when it comes to life. Lord, we lift them up to you. We ask that you bring alongside someone who can speak life uh, over them, over the life of their child, that they um, are directed to a life saving resource, that they choose life for their children. Lord, we ask that you, um, that, that you through, through us, Lord, through, through your power, through, uh, the power of, of those who believe in you, that, that, um, abortion would end, that, um, abortion clinics would be shuttered, that there would be a mass exodus of abortion clinic workers leaving the abortion industry, Lord, that they would, um, flee from evil, that they would turn to you, that they would come into a relationship with you, Lord. We ask that you uh, be with anyone who has had abortions, men, women, uh, couples, that they would uh, find your healing mercy, your healing grace, that they would find forgiveness and um, find your, find your just ever ending mercy, Lord. We ask that um, you be with our um, our current world leaders, Lord, and our current administration, that they would um, turn to you, that they would uh, repent of any beliefs that um, are not biblical, Lord, that um, do not align with, with your truth, and that they would turn to you. We ask that you guide, lead, and direct us through this week. Keep all of us safe. Keep all of us healthy. And that we would all follow your will. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season 2 is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDonatio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at AngelaDonatioVOV and Instagram at AngelaDonatio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. 
If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.